The sermon text is the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 23, verses 35 to 43. The people stood watching. The rulers were ridiculing him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also made fun of him. Coming up to him, they offered him sour wine, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription written above him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging there was blaspheming him, saying, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, since you are under the same condemnation? We are punished justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for what we have done. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, Amen, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Once there was a king named George. George liked to tax his colonists a lot. And George liked to force his colonists to house his soldiers against their will. More than anything else, what King George really enjoyed was giving his colonists no say whatsoever in their government. And so about two and a half centuries ago, a bunch of King George's plucky colonists across the Atlantic Ocean said, we are through with King George. In fact, we're through with all kings and queens forever. No more kings for us. And so they fought against King George, and against all odds, they beat him. And from then on, they were done with kings. No more kings for them. And of course, those same feisty colonists who managed to get rid of King George, they also gave birth to the republic that we still live in. Which is why it's no surprise that still to this day, to the brains of most people in this country, the idea of living under a king, the idea of having to live under any figure with absolute power is pretty gross to us. It's just a revolting kind of idea because we know from history what kings are like. Most kings, most of the time, exist to exploit their people, to take things from the people for themselves. So, we don't like the idea of kings. We don't want a king. But there is a king that we do want. There is a king that we desire. Because this king does not exist to take from his people. This king exists to give to his people. Three times while our King Jesus was dying on the cross, they encouraged him. They downright dared him to take for himself, to take safety for himself, to take relief and life for himself. The rulers ridiculed him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also made fun of him, saying, If you are the King of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals hanging there was blaspheming him, saying, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. So Jesus was absorbing this message, 
from all sides. You have the Gentiles, the Roman soldiers. You have his own people, the Jewish religious leaders. You even have a criminal hanging on the cross next to him, all telling Jesus. It's like the whole world was hollering the same message at him all at once, save yourself. Take relief for yourself. Take safety for yourself. Take life for yourself. And if Jesus is a king, why not take for himself, right? Because that's what normal kings do. They take. But not this king. Jesus is the king who gives. See, what all of Jesus' enemies were missing, the soldiers, the religious leaders, the criminal, what they were all missing was that as Jesus was suffering and dying on that cross, he was actually saving he just wasn't taking the saving for himself. There's a, an old saying that it wasn't the nails that held Jesus to his cross, but it was his love for you and me. And that is absolutely true. Jesus' love for us is infinite. And it was Jesus' infinite love for us that held him on that cross to suffer the infinite pain, the punishment that we deserve for our sins. Jesus' love for us is so great that it held him to that cross, pay the price with his own blood to save us from all of our sins. And Jesus' love for us is so big that it held him to that cross to suffer hell in our place. He was separated from his heavenly Father. And that's what hell is, it's separation from God. See, normally, we don't want kings. Because normally kings take, but not our king, Jesus. He is the king who gives to his people. He gives us relief from our sins. He gives comfort to our souls with his forgiveness. He gives us safety, eternal salvation, life in heaven. And he suffers and dies on the cross to do it. This is the king we desire. Once there was another king named Darius. Probably you did not learn about him in school. Probably I shouldn't waste my time learning about him either, but I can't really help it. It's an affliction. Anyway, Darius lived about 300 years before Jesus was born, and he got on the wrong side of another king named Alexander. Him you probably did learn about in school. And Darius thought that Alexander would never attack him. Didn't have it in him thought Alexander was a chicken. Turned out that was not the case. And Alexander did attack, and he caught Darius totally off guard. And Darius was losing bad. And what do you think he did? He ran to save himself. Not only did he run, he left his wife and his children on the battlefield so that he could run farther, faster. And Darius did survive. He lived on for a little while in shame and disgrace. This is another reason that normally we don't want kings. Kings like to huff and puff a lot about bravery and valor as long as it's somebody else's bravery and valor in service to them. But then when the fight actually comes to the king, a lot of times they run away. They flee from the battlefield to get away from the danger. But not our king, Jesus. Jesus is the king who stays on the battlefield. He doesn't run, but he stays and he fights for us. Jesus stayed on the field 
to stare down the prince of darkness and fight him. Jesus stayed on the field to take all of our sins and the sins of the whole world on his own back personally. Jesus is the king who stays and fights for his people and he wins. And we know that in that fight to save us, Jesus died. He lost his life. And for most kings, of course, once they're dead, that's the end of the line and it's over for them. And that's another reason not to like kings. Even the good ones die eventually. And there's no guarantee that the one who comes next is going to be any good at all. And two good kings in a row is pretty rare. But when Jesus, our king, dies in the fight, he doesn't stay that way. He rises and he lives again. Jesus is the king who dies in the fight but then takes his life back and lives and reigns forever and never dies again. This, this is the king we desire. Jesus won in the fight. And of course, if you're going to have a king, you'd rather have one who wins than one who loses. Most kings, when they do win a great battle or a war, Afterward, they take all the glory and all the remembrance for themselves. This is another reason that we don't like kings. After they win, the monuments get built to them. There's a million examples of this in history. Now, there's one in the Bible, too. Once there was a king named Saul. He was the very first king of Israel, and the kings of Israel were supposed to be different from the rest of the kings in the world. They were supposed to be humble. They were supposed to be shepherd kings who led people in the Lord and in his love. But early in his reign, Saul won a great victory and he built a monument. But who did he build it to? It wasn't to the Lord who gave him that victory. It was to himself. See, this is what kings do. They take all the glory for the win for themselves. Well, the monument to our Savior's victory, the monument to his victory is his cross and his empty tomb. And that monument is absolutely for Jesus' glory. He won the battle. He deserves the glory, the honor, and the praise for taking on our enemies and defeating them. But that cross and empty tomb is not only for the king's glory, it is also for the glory of all of his subjects. It is for the eternal glory of everyone who believes in Jesus because when Jesus rose from the dead, he guaranteed our own resurrection. And he promises that he is going to share his reign on high with all of his people. This is the king that we desire. Jesus is the king who gives to his people eternal comfort, life, and salvation. Jesus is the king who stays on the battlefield and fights and wins. He's the king who lays down his life in that fight, but takes it back up and reigns forever. But not just for his glory, for ours too. This is the king we desire. While our king was on the cross fighting and winning and giving his life for us, he actually was called a king three different times. The first time he was called a king was by the Roman soldiers who were making fun of him. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. See, this is really the only way that an unbelieving heart can call Jesus a king in irony and mockery because the only kind of king that an unbelieving heart knows is the normal kind of king 
who puts himself first and takes for himself. So any supposed king, any so-called king that does not behave that way can't be a real king and deserves to be made fun of. The second person who called Jesus a king while he was on the cross was the governor, Pilate. And he actually put it in writing. There was also an inscription written above him, this is the king of the Jews. Exactly why Pilate wrote that is a mystery. We know why he wrote an inscription. There was a law. If someone was executed, you had to post a note of what they did, what their crime was. But why exactly Pilate wrote that is sort of a mystery. It's possible that he was just needling the religious leaders who earlier that day had backed him into condemning an innocent man. The most optimistic view is that Pilate actually believed that, that he had come to faith in Jesus, but we don't know for sure. It's a mystery why Pilate called Jesus a king. But then there was the third guy, the thief who was being crucified next to Jesus. He doesn't directly address Jesus as a king, but based on what he says, it's clear he believes that's who Jesus is. Jesus is a king. And not just a king, but the king that he desires. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. When this thief turns and looks at the man on the middle cross, he sees the king that is there to give to him, to give him forgiveness and life in heaven. He sees the king who is there fighting for him, the king who will die for him, but also rise. And so he sees the king that is going to give him glory in the kingdom of heaven. And he asks Jesus to remember him there. Now when the Bible says that the Lord remembers someone, it means that he thinks about them favorably and then he moves, he acts to help them. For example, in the book of Genesis, it says that the Lord remembered Noah and his family on the ark and then he saved them from the flood. And throughout the Psalms, you hear the writers pleading with God to remember them in mercy and forgiveness and love. So for God, Remembering doesn't mean that you're snatching information up from your memory banks. Remembering means you're looking on someone with love and then you're moving to help them. When this thief asks Jesus to remember him, he's saying a prayer, look on me with love from the heavenly kingdom and help me. And Jesus' answer to that prayer is, Amen, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So the Roman soldiers and the governor and a thief all called Jesus a king. The soldiers did it to make fun of him because they were still thinking on the level of earthly kings. Pilate, we don't know why he said it, but the thief said it because he turned to Jesus in faith. He saw the king that he desired. He asked Jesus for help, and Jesus gave him paradise. Jesus is the king that you desire too. He is the one king that you want because he is the king that does not take from you. He is the king that gives eternal gifts to you. Forgiveness, salvation, life in heaven. Jesus is the king who does not run from the battlefield and leave you to fight. He is the king who stays and fights for you and wins. Jesus is the king who gives his life but takes it back up again and reigns forever and he does it 
not just for his own glory, but for yours too. So, do what the thief on the cross did. Turn to Jesus and ask him to remember you in his kingdom. He will, and you too will be with him in paradise. Amen.